You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. This is episode number four. 10. I am so happy you are here. I'm here with my co-host, Stephanie Ruper, founder of paleoforwomen.com, author of Sexy by Nature. She's a PhD. She's also in France right now. It's nighttime over there. And I'm your host, Noelle Tarr of coconutsandkettlebells.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer. We've been doing this for almost eight years as of next month. Wow. Time flies when you're having loads of fun. Today, our topics are going to include goals and if you should make them and if we made them, uh, biological clocks for women and kids, the myth that fiber makes you full, boosting your immune system this winter because man, oh man, have I been living in the dark ages of flus and colds and pink eye and all the things and then coping with anxiety during pregnancy. Hi, Steph. Hi. How's your neck feeling? Oh, I crack it a lot. Yeah. Yo, we're squeezing all this into the introductory material. <laughs> I think the introductory material is going to be uh, the material. It's pretty substantial. Okay. Well, tell me to stop talking if I talk for too long about any of these things. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Um, so Steph, I love it when Steph sends me messages on Instagram because it's always like new insight and things she wants to talk about on the podcast. Um. So first up, I'm going to kick it over to you. Uh, And this is actually something that I have many thoughts on too, or, you know, I feel in general, um, I am 36. I will be 37 this year, which I actually got that wrong. I thought I was 37 for months. And I was like, oh my gosh, my husband's going to be, wow, he'll be 40 this year. And then I had to ask him and I was like, hey, you're going to be 40 next year, right? And he's like, no, Noel, I'm not. And I'm like, I'm 37. He's like, no, you're not. So it was really cool for me to retrograde back a year. But um, that just means that, you know, we're in our, we're having an upper 30s crisis where we always think ahead that we're older than we are. And one of those things that you start to think about in your upper 30s and early 40s is, or even mid 30s, is your biological clock and the health of your eggs. And should you freeze your eggs? And do you want more children? And you kind of you feel the pressure to make those decisions. So talk to me how you're feeling. I think you are your mid-30s officially. Yeah, you just had a birthday. Yes, in October. And um, talk to me how you're feeling with the, the biological clock thing and the kids thing and the freezing of the eggs thing. Yeah, so uh, this was a question for the podcast from me uh, <laughs> because... So historically, I mean, we've talked about this a handful of times, not a ton, but a handful of times on the podcast. Uh, And I have normally said, well, I'm just shelving the question of producing offspring uh, until it becomes more relevant. And actually, for the last couple of years, I have been thinking about it and whether it's something that I want to intentionally plan for. Just so you all know, like it, it's been something hovering at the back of my mind and, and becoming right. relevant. I did turn 34 uh, recently and I'm in a different phase of or way of posing this question to myself than Noelle because I do not 
have a romantic partner. (laughs) And if I am going to do children, have children, produce offspring with a romantic partner, I kind of need to have met them yesterday. (laughs) Not necessarily, right? Because something could happen in the next year or two or what have you. But the way that I always kind of envision, right? It would would be kind of a standard, well, if I want to have kids by my late 30s, you know, one or two, allow for a couple (laughs) um, and a couple of years to get to know somebody, then I'm kind of, I'm kind of bumping up against that. And people who follow me on Instagram know that I've been doing a ton of dating. And a part of that has been, a part of that has been motivated by me wanting to maybe like find a human to do that with. At the same time, I find quite interesting and maybe exciting the idea of having a child by myself and or co-parenting with a friend, living in the same house as a friend with her kid mm-hmm. uh, or creating a house for single mothers. That that sounds kind of, you know, fun or exciting to me. And also adopting is an option, uh, fun and exciting to me. So the way that I'm sort of dealing with all of this is, you know, so much of our happiness is is predicated on our expectations of what could or should happen. And it's also one thing to say, well, I'm going to be totally okay with this thing happening until it happens. And I this applies to, say, not getting married or not having kids or all these different kinds of things like doors do close in life, doors open and doors do close. And it's when they actually close or when they when they're going to close the best thing we can possibly do for ourselves is acknowledge that certain things are out of our control and not see them not happening as a loss right and and rather frame it as an opportunity right and i haven't had my eyes open to this opportunity but maybe you know having children alone or not having children at all is not a lesser option. It's a different option. And there are other opportunities involved. Like if I ended up having children with a partner, I would then not be doing the things that I would be doing having kids alone or with my friends, right? And so I'm really in this and in all of the other things that I'm looking at unfolding, right? I'm also, I'm in my mid-30s. Am I looking for a place to live? Am I looking for a specific kind of career commitment? Like there's all these kinds of big, like, quote unquote, settling questions or questions about like the arc of my life that will make, will make an enormous difference for the rest of it. Right. That, that Mm -hmm. I'm sort of, I'm sitting with right now. And what I have to say is like, a like no path is completely unchangeable. You can adopt, you can get involved with other young people's lives in so many different ways moving forward, right? So there's flexibility along so many paths, but they're all full of so much opportunity and love. And just because we're not fed them by society or we haven't thought about them a lot throughout our own lives, doesn't mean that they're not real and they're not full of so much joy. And in fact, like opening ourselves to the surprise and the joy of the unexpected is one of the most central things we can possibly do for happiness because we don't control outcomes and life really does have so much potential, but we have to do a lot of stepping away from, from expectations that we have about trying to be able to, 
to control those outcomes. So anyway, that's a lot of the stuff that I'm sitting with currently. As in terms of whether or not I'm going to have kids in any kind of way, like I can't say for sure, but I am, you know, entertaining these hypothetical paths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do feel, yeah, it's hard. It's really hard because uh, I think I, being in the, at this age, I feel like the 30, you know, you're in your 30s is still so young, but you do have to think of these big life decisions. And I, and in, um, the last few decades, women are having kids later and, and I'm one of them. I'm the, you know, somebody who in my twenties did not want kids. And me and my husband were both like, do we really want this? Like, obviously going to change our lives a ton is it and and in your 20s you kind of do want to do your own thing and i think that that's totally normal and then all of a sudden something changed um and even when we started trying to have kids it was like do we really want this and it was kind of i won't say it was overnight but it was in within a few months period i went from like i don't know to like i definitely want this and so it's it's hard when you kind of are still trying to I mean, it takes years to kind of figure it out, but um, it's it's hard. I feel like it's hard because <laughs> your 30s, you're still so young. So I think there's this, there's so many things going on with like society saying you're old, you can't have a kid and you actually can. But there is some things that we have to recognize, like it's harder on your body, you know, like my body is not the same as it was. And I even saw a huge difference between Stella and Maverick, you know, how my body handled those two pregnancies. So, you know, it's always those, you've got to consider all the variables. Um, So your question to yourself was, dear Steph, please tell Steph how to cope. Um, Do you feel like you have good coping skills? I, I had a bit of a turning point in the last few weeks thinking about it. Yeah, for a lot of reasons, some of which are quite <laughs> uh, personal in the sense that I won't, it's not that I won't show them at all, but you know, sometimes I like to take the, take a minute and make sure it's something I want to share. So, um, so there have been those kinds of things, but generally speaking, I've been going through this shift in, in acceptance and letting yeah, just like being at peace with how things are is, I mean, it's a part of all of our like, quote unquote work, right? But that's, mm-hmm. that's just, it's so, it's so important. And I think there was a time, I think, during which I sent this question to you, when I was feeling frustrated, because I, the, the, the it gained urgency. The question gained urgency, which then gave me a desire to control the outcome. And I have since decided that whatever happened, whatever happens is going to be very beautiful. Period. Yeah. Are you, (laughs) you know, are you thinking about freezing your eggs? A little bit, a little bit more of a question for me is, do I go ahead? Like, yeah. Do I go ahead making that plan? Like I, I need to. Yeah, Because there's also a question of, you know, do I, how I do it would depend on with whom and how, like, you know, um, freezing eggs, if it's going to be another five years, if it's going to be two, maybe not, you know, and how attached am I to having that all happen? And do I have the money to do that right now? Yes. <laughs> um, because it's uh yeah, I would really want to be committed to it before I, I make that investment right now. And like other 
know, stuff about, about mm-hmm. that in my life, you know, and, and, and yeah. also like thinking about adoption and that kind of stuff. So I'm just kind of, I'm not putting pressure on myself to make these concrete decisions um, and just kind of um, letting them unfold. And if some doors happen to close, those are the chips falling where they're supposed to fall. If mm-hmm. I can use it, it's supposed to, you know, right. and that's, that's how that is. So, right. So let's talk about 2023. Yeah. Do you have any goals for this year for yourself? Do you make goals? Are they smart goals? <laughs> what are our current feelings? <laughs> yeah, I've got huge goals for myself right now. I My goals are enormous and I'm so excited about them. I'm just going to go ahead and say that they're the most important goals I've ever had. And I'm not going to tell you what they are. <laughs> Come on. That was such a lead up to nothing. You have can you give a hint? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Okay. Or I'll I'll gesture towards it. Um so well, okay, yeah. So about the, the question of goals, <laughs> I always have ongoing goals, always. And uh, I like the new year it offers a social way to participate in that. If you want to, that is almost always what I say when we do our new year's episode. I love that. We like have done this enough that I'm like, when we do our new year's episode. Yeah. Um, so that's just goals. Um, I have over the course of the last couple of years, woken up to the fact that I have an extraordinary life and do not honor it with the joy that it merits period or had not been for a wide variety of reasons. I have an extraordinarily privileged life and I do what I can. I work quite hard to try to pay that forward in terms of service and help and purpose and and what have you, but also want to inhabit it with the joy that it asks, you know, or is that merits. And I also think that joy which I define as a, a celebratory feeling grounded in rightness and meaning. That's how I think of joy, like real authentic, good feeling. It's about like being at home in the world and your purpose, being a part of a larger narrative. Joy, I think is really important. And I think it's a key piece of all of our meaning or purpose insofar as one could be said, I could normatively claim that other, you know, make claims about other people's meaning in life. (laughs) I think it could be a part of it. So, so I have been working on following joy. This is the thing. I am working on following joy, following things that feel like joy. And it's been extraordinary. And I have ended up in places that I did not ever expect. And in my pursuit of joy, and after having done decades, literally decades of reading on questions of philosophy and theology and religion and what have you, I have realized that I have denied myself the joy of the thing that I have wanted my entire life, which is religion. And so uh, I have been, um, I'll just leave it at that. Um, I have been doing a ton of intentional work in myself and in my life Uh, exploring ways in which uh, I can continue to follow joy, which is related to concepts such as faith and hope and love. This is uh, the current narrative arc that I am uh, living 
as a character in like, you know, my own little novel in my life. Um, <laughs> you should have seen the character dance. Everybody it was really cute. <laughs> and it happens to be carrying into 2023, but it's uh, faith and hope and love are things are, are joy with an arrow pointing to faith and hope and love are the things towards which I am walking currently. Very nice. Period. 2023 <laughs> folks. The end. <laughs> Um, I love yeah. That. So, and also it's all extremely experimental and tentative and ambiguous and I'm drawing no conclusions. And I keep putting that like asterisk on every single thing I say, because, you know, people develop ideas about what you're doing and then you like walk them back or you change your mind. So just like, you know, and that's all very ambiguous and I'm leaving it that way on purpose because, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's for me and I, I do want to tell you about it, but when I know mm-hmm. more. Okay. More to come. As for me in my 2023 goals, uh, it's very basic, probably just to get stronger. <laughs> so we have faith, hope, and love, and we have Noelle who just wants to lift heavier weights. So that's the goal discussion. That's the goal discussion. Um, I, I still feel the same way about goals, which is that they are great. I think they're good. I think they give us direction. They obviously, you know, I love the way that you take them to Steph and the way that we take them in general on this podcast, which is awesome for for f- taking us down the path, helping us sit and reflect and taking us down the path that we want to. And unfortunately, goals are so closely linked with diet culture and weight loss and um, becoming smaller and all of that, that goals have kind of been become... I don't know, January in general, January and the new mo- new year and all that has unfortunately become really closely linked with dieting. And that's why I think, you know, we have to really tiptoe and think ca- carefully about goals and what it is we actually want and why. So not just, oh, I want to lose weight. Like, why do you want that? What do you actually want? Do you want to j- feel better? Do you want to be able to do more with your body? Because it's not all about weight loss. And the world has obviously made most things in health about weight loss. And we've spent eight years trying to debunk that. Um, so I think that goals are really powerful and that they allow us to take a step back and say, what do I want? But also ha- keep you accountable for getting you to that place. And instead of a goal being, I want to get leaner, I want to lose weight, I want to run a marathon, my goals and what I think are better goals to have is like, what do you want? How how do you want to exist in the world? So I want to serve more. I want to um, stay injury free. That's always at the top of my goal list, right? So that when you're pursuing the things that you want to do, you're not let down if you don't actually do that thing because you didn't fail. You keep your goal in mind of I need to remain injury free or I'm going to prioritize rest and sleep over um, running or, you know, whatever. So, yes, I want to complete a marathon or yes, I want to run a 5K or yes, I want to lift X weight. But my goal for this year is to stay injury free. My goal is to prioritize rest and to always sleep and put sleep first and and recover and make sure that my cortisol levels are in check. So I kind of like those goals better. Um, and just, I have that now, those goals for me throughout the course of my life, but this year I'd really like to lift more. If you are deep in the stress, like so many of us are, one of the best ways to support your adrenals, hormones, and sleep is with adaptogens. I ditched caffeine over a year ago and now utilize adaptogen blends morning and night. 
It's been such a nice little hack for me, especially during seasons of sickness and stress, and I have a code for 20% off for you. Adaptogens are herbs or functional mushrooms that have been found to help your body manage stress and maintain balance. They essentially provide your body with the support it needs only when it needs it instead of forcing your body to produce cortisol, which is how caffeine works. Research shows adaptogens can balance cortisol, combat fatigue, enhance focus, ease depression and anxiety, and support proper hormone function. The best and easiest way to supplement with adaptogens is with Organifi Superfood Blends. Here's my tip. Some adaptogens are better in the morning and others are better at night, but it's important to experiment with timing to see what works for you. I like to take green juice, which has ashwagandha mid-morning when I'm stressed or dealing with sleep issues or sick, and I take cordyceps, which is in the red juice before podcasting for energy and focus. And right now I drink gold Every single night before bed, it's my nightcap with reishi in it. I just mix it with water and it helps me relax and go to sleep. Support your body, energy, immunity, and stress with Organifi. Organifi takes pride in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to less than $3 a day. And I've tried a lot of stuff. Organifi definitely tastes the best. They contain clinical doses of adaptogens so you actually feel the difference. Go to Organifi.com forward slash wellfed and use code wellfed for 20% off your entire order. Again, that's Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash wellfed. Use the code wellfed for 20% off. Let's talk about fiber. And the myth that fiber stuff is cheesing so big. So uh, this is the question. I've kind of noticed that when I eat high quantities of vegetables, I end up feeling hungrier. I found a paper that showed satiety. I think it's satiety hormone levels were lower and hunger hormone levels were higher after the highest fiber meal. The authors of the study said this is confusing. In the study, though, the participants don't report any difference in satiety, but the fiber doesn't make them feel fuller. What have you found in your research about fiber and vegetables and fullness? (laughs) That's my surprise. Did you hear the party? (laughs) No, what? I didn't hear it. Do it again. Is it not working? (laughs) I wonder if you're or if it's like canceling it out or something. I don't hear. Maybe maybe people can hear it. I can't. So I sent Noel this this like series of Instagram DMs. It was one of these like big health revelations I had. I was like, oh my goodness! And uh, I was so excited about talking about it that I decided that for the first time in 400 episodes, I was going to use a party horn. To introduce a myth bust, myth busting question, I actually wanted the DJ sound that goes like, duh, 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 but I couldn't find it. So I got this party horn, but it's not working. That I was actually like surprise. the surprise. Oh, that works. So this was my question. I only read the, the the abstract of the one study, so I can't at all meaningfully weigh in on what the actual science is of fiber and fullness. It really accords with my experience. So I um. I really like to just keep snacking (laughs) and I do it on vegetables because that's the healthiest way that I can think of to do it. And 
I also know that I do end up doing that if I'm stressed or lonely or what have you. Like it's well, a studying. Like I like you sent me that and you're like, this is what I do when I'm studying. And I'm like, oh, I remember you have to like keep doing something to like proactively get yourself to stay in that moment of of trying to read and All remember time, yeah. and study. And so for me, it was Diet Cokes or chewing gum. Totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. And if I'm like if I'm really in the zone, it's not important or I'm out and about, or I have a, like, I love to have a flat white, you know, when you get like a, t- I have like tiny sip here and there, all this kind of stuff. But yeah, so I will like, I can have a whole head of cabbage. I can have a huge, like a bag of carrots. And and that was something that I kind of learned how to do when I was trying to under eat. Right. And, and really wanted and, and like, but had such strong cravings for mm-hmm. food. So and 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 then, but there's these people who are like, eat fiber, it'll fill you up. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it it'll take up space in your stomach. So you might want to stop eating because your stomach has food in it. But it actually doesn't contribute to like hormonal, the hormonal signals of appetite and satiation appear from this one study. Uh, to not actually be impacted by fiber. And then, so this has me thinking, okay, so in the moment that I'm eating food, I have a bunch of fiber and maybe I have like cheese or avocado or something fatty or some carbs with it, whatever, but I still eat a lot of fiber. When my body produces these hormones after I eat, if you have a lot of fiber in your gut, is it going to slow down the production? Is it going to flatten the curve so that you end up not getting like quite as big a spike as you would otherwise if you have a bunch of fiber in your stomach? And if you have a bunch of fiber in your intestines, say you do this once a day, does it end up reducing, right? Like the circulating amounts of these hormones in general? Because gen- like generally speaking, when you have fiber in your gut, it really, it does make an impact for uh, your hormones and your liver, right? Like it will change the way that your body detoxifies estrogen, for example, because it's taking up space. And when you have something taking up space, like it necessarily will like slow things down or just, re- you know, reduce the uh, density. Of, of, of stuff. So uh, we have this like dieting culture where people are preaching high fiber, low calorie meals. And this is just like another way that I think it can contribute to people developing disordered relationships with food because people are like, I feel hungry all the time. Like, yeah, like your circulating hunger levels are huge for a ton of reasons. <laughs> So anyway, this is all super theoretical, but it's very fascinating to me because I was eating a ton of vegetables recently, doing a bunch of work, like alone by myself. And I was like, I feel way hungrier than I was last week when I was, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it could, it could just be me and my personal this and my mental that. Um, but this was like, it was pretty eye-opening for me. So if there's anybody out there like pounding the vegetables, expecting them to make you full. Yeah. You know, no, it's it's just another one of those like hacks, tricks, you know, chew gum, sugar free this, tea that, you know, like all the kind of whatever that people use to be able to consume 
without it having to be calories. But if you let yourself actually eat calories, like <laughs> there you go. Like that, that's, that's something that will cause your body to create signals that you're full. Go figure. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get it. And I, so I, I definitely see where you're coming from, where you need something to do with your, your mouth or your hands or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with food. Um, and at, at the same time though, I remember like, I, it kind of brought flash when you messaged me that it did bring flashbacks. And it's so interesting because I feel like so much of the diet culture advice to snack on carrot sticks and to chew gum and all that stuff, all it's doing low calorie foods, all it's doing is wrecking havoc on our digestion. Like we're pounding ourselves with roughage and fiber yet we're not actually supporting our body. Like a lot of these micronutrients, these vitamins, these minerals need fat to be properly absorbed. So that's why you need to put olive oil on your salad or, you know, eat the carrots. I'm not saying carrots are bad or wrong. We're just saying eating carrots one by one by themselves. It makes sense because it's a ton of roughage and that your body doesn't digest that very well by itself. So, or in large quantities. Um, and that goes for broccoli and all these things, all these foods that are, you know, wonderful for us. They're not really, it's so interesting to me that they're not going to sig signal like satiety. I think they need to be considered not, um, <laughs> not the foundation of our diet, but a supplement or a part of, right? So the foundation is good healthy fats, good protein. The supplement that we always serve with the meal is the vegetables, whether they're sauteed, of course, when they're sauteed, it's going to be a little bit better and easier to digest. But especially that raw roughage, um, you know, diet culture loves because it's so low in calories. It's it's so praised and elevated, but it's a it's a one way ticket to really screwing up your digestion. And anybody who's really spent a lot of time going on and off dieting in the diet cycle and tried to restrict their calories can, I'm sure you you probably have like it's like how's your digestion going. <laughs> Okay, so this uh, next question is from Denise. She says, how do you boost your immune system? I've always had a good one until COVID. How many times have I been off work in the past three years? At least seven. I've only had COVID once. This last head cold is lasting and lasting. Help. Um, I want to ask you <laughs> um, if... Uh... Unfortunately, I apologize. I um I don't know. I don't know if COVID makes people more likely to get sick. We're seeing very rough. It's been rough out there, folks. It's it's a rough season and a lot of it has to do with the fact that all of us have been not necessarily interacting with other people. The way that we build our immune systems is through exposure. And so when we're not getting exposure to the very benign and bugs that we may not even become symptomatic from, um, that our body then, you know, fights, gets stronger, comes back stronger. You know, we've had years of a lot of people not interacting, touching, wearing masks, all the things. Now we're kind of all coming back out and it's just no question that things are spreading more. There's more going around. Um, and when, you know, ki you know, just kids, man, I, I feel like I'm feeling it more because my kids are little and they're at different schools. Um, it's a lot. It's just a lot going around. So I think that there's a few things that you can do to really support your immune system. And it's honestly not 
rock. It's not rocket science. It's not anything special. You're not doing anything wrong. But I think you just got to think of the basics. And obviously, conventional medicine and the conventional way that we treat colds is we take NyQuil or we take medicine after the fact and we try to treat the symptoms. Whereas, I think a lot of more natural remedies for supporting your immune system are going to be much more effective because they're actually helping your immune system get over it. And you, there's a lot of research out there about how we can shorten the duration of colds and the flu. So while I would love to say, here's how not to get sick, it's just going to happen. Like we're going to get sick. You're going to get sick over the course of your life. We just want to make sure and train our immune systems that they, they, you know, they're strong enough that they can take it down pretty quickly and that the flus and the colds can be shorter and not last and last like what you're dealing with now, Denise. Um, first one's pretty basic. My my kind of my short list is make sure that you're incorporating probiotic foods and supplements over just as a general rule. Some of these things are things to do all the time. And then some of these things are to do right when you get sick. Incorporate probiotic foods and supplements. I'm not going to go into that in depth, but I do think that's always nice to have a little sauerkraut on hand or to have a, a you know strong probiotic that you can maybe take a little bit more of or you know make sure that you're taking um, in between six sicknesses. When you do get sick, and this is something to think about too, when just with the general population, when you're eating foods that don't work well with you or cause inflammation, that inflammation is going to suck time and resources from your immune system. And therefore, your immune system is not going to be that great at finding flus and viruses. So this is why diet and new, you know, a nutrient-dense diet is so important. And when we do get sick, I tend to, if it works out, not eat as much dairy because that can produce more mucus. Um, but I definitely tend to reduce the sugar uh, overall. And I try to do that with my kids. Unfortunately, we got sick right after Halloween and I had them pick their five pieces. And then I had to like pretend that it didn't exist. And Stella did not. She knew it was still around. She's like, can we have one of our pieces of candy? And I'm like, Stella, he is so sick and I cannot. I mean, he's just been, you know, anyway, no three-year-olds when they're sick. I think everybody gets it. But um, I was like, he just cannot have sugar right now because his immune system really needs to focus on fighting whatever he's got going on. And she got it. And I let her like eat when he went to bed or when he was, you know, napping. But in general, try to reduce sugar. Electrolyte replacement is so important. So one of the things that I do with my kids and myself, element, you can sip on bone broth, which is really rich in minerals. You can sip on element. You can do some sort of like adrenal cocktail where you have a little bit of orange juice and salt and um, cream of tartar. Make sure you're taking your magnesium because magnesium is depleted in times of stress and sickness. So support with minerals. I'm a vitamin C fan. I take liposomal vitamin C from Live On Labs. I take that daily, occasionally. I've been taking it more regularly, but I definitely take it at the first signs of sickness. Um, and I do have the Pure Synergy makes like a whole food-based vitamin C that I make in a little, I actually mix it into the kids' element or electrolyte drink. So let's talk about some of the like additional things like elderberry syrup. Um, what's some other ones? echinacea, all those things, right? There is some good research on this stuff. What I like to do is take like a compound supplement. So there's one by Gaia Herbs and I pulled it up to make sure that they did not, because they've, they've been so frustrating. They've been um, discontinuing all their kids stuff, but they still have a quick defense immune support for adults. So Gaia Herbs Quick Defense, 
I would stock up on a few of those bottles like today now so that you have them just in case. What you want to do is right when you at the first signs of sickness, take it immediately and take two pills. I think the bottle says like maybe three to four times a day and just take that until the bottle's done. And that will really help shorten the, from my experience, it helps shorten the duration of colds and flu for my kids. Um, I have gone back and forth with Western versus Chinese herbs. There used to be Gaia Herbs Kids Defense. What I would recommend now is using Herb Farm. If you really liked the drops from from Gaia Herbs, the Kids Defense drops, grab the Herb Farm. I think it's called Immune. No, Immune Fortifier is what you can. Oh, it's called Immune Avenger. It's a first signs support and it's got echinacea and it's got elderberry and all that kind of stuff so you can use immune avenger what i like to use is a chinese herb blend called windbreaker that's pretty much what i focus on now um but there is also such thing as a system builder so i talked with my doctor who's a naturopath i think last year because we were getting sick so much which obviously we didn't do what she said i should have but she was talking about using some immune system builders in between the times that we get sick and herb farm has a few one of them is called kids immune fortifier it's a system builder i think it has marshmallow root can't remember it's a few things astragalus uh it does have reishi cinnamon bark a few things that are immune system builders so it would you just put like a few drops in their drinks and herb farm has a a drops for adults as well I'm not exactly sure what it's called, but if you, let me see, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. Rapid immune boost, immune support. No, that sounds, so Herb Farm has a rapid immune boost. That would be something that you take at the first sign of sickness, but I'm sure they have, I'm on Amazon. I'm sure they have something that you can take um, in between sicknesses to kind of build up um, your immune system. Let me think, is there anything else? Oh, uh, sleep and extra rest. We've got to stop. You can't, I mean, I know this is hard for women who are working and have jobs and are parents and all the things, but you have got to sleep and rest because the as you keep pushing yourself, you're just going to create more problems for yourself. Um, oh, and an air purifier. This is, this I think has made a difference. My last tip, air purifiers in every bedroom will reduce the amount of viruses and pathogens and bacteria in the air. So there is so much in the air and unfortunately air quality is a huge contributing factor to there's that's how we're exposed to a lot of um just toxins in the world is through the air that we breathe. So there's mold everywhere. There's carcinogens in the air, there's VOCs, there's viruses, there's mold, there's all the things. Air Doctor is the one that I use and love. It uh gets it down to 0.30 0.03 microns. I did a lot of research. I did a lot of testing. I have the Air Doctor 2000 in my son's room and in my daughter's room. And so I, you know, when they're coughing and they're sick, that thing is like, like it goes, turns to red because it's all in the air. But I do think that it has helped tremendously in the, um, in the exchange of viruses in our home. They do sales. I Sure, they're going to do one for the spring, so just stay tuned. But um, I'll link to it in the. I'll link to the air doc. I'll, I'll put the air doctor. I'll link in the show notes. But um, I, I'll try to remember. I'll try to let you know if you're on my email list. I, I always try to let you guys know when their air doctor is doing like a big sale, um, and they usually do it in the spring. 
sleep, rest. I think that's it. Any other thoughts from you? Yeah. Um, first, I have learned so much. I am always shocked by what Noelle has to share about her air filtering. <laughs> Shock. You know, you look at the filter. I'm like, <gasps> this is my life right now. This has been my life the last five years. Like. Yeah, it's it's uh, I just uh, keep my windows cracked and, and hope for the best. Uh, yeah, I, I can't I can't own big stuff. <laughs> just, yeah. But uh, yeah, so there's that. Um, another thing I want to you know talk about, especially with the whole covid era thing is it seems to be the case that being social is quite important for your immune system, uh, not just because you're contacting other immune systems, but because regularly interacting with other humans is like social health is a key component of physical health. And this means having close contact with people you're close with, right? And it also means interacting with people you meet out in the world at the bus stop, at a cashier, like yada, yada, yada. Um, and a lot of that was shelved and in in a lot of ways and continues to be. And so you know, we talk about our immune system and I think a lot of people, you know, are, are getting a lot of sick uh, recently and I, uh, people are also quite stressed and have been and oh, yeah. this loneliness and loneliness is huge for physical health. It is huge for physical health. Um, it's up there with uh, a different, it's up there with smoking, I think, in terms of risk for death. Right. So, yeah. Loneliness is huge and being socially embedded is huge. And so moving forward in terms of your immune defense, spending time, you know, like we do so much of trying to like protect ourselves and our lives and our loved ones by going to work and participate, you know, doing this kind of effort and that kind of effort, but also just spending really chill, happy time with people you like, huge um, for your immune system. So anyway, chill Such out. A good point. I chill didn't out. think of I miss stress (laughs) and stress. Well, you talked about the importance of stress for now, but I think it's been a, it's been a lot. And those kinds of effects Mm -hmm. when stress participates in inflammatory processes in our bodies, like it does drain minerals, right? It does drain vitamin status and nutrient status. And so, you know, I've talked before about how all of the systems in our bodies are like gears that are interlinked and locked and some are huge and some are smaller and they need to, work together. And if you've got some key pieces missing, it can take a while for the, for the whole system to come back online. So it would make sense that, you know, a lot of us are, you know, going through this process of rebuilding our physical selves. If you're looking for an easy way to supplement with minerals, I have a free eight pack of electrolytes for you to grab. So listen up. One of my favorite ways to replace minerals is with Element. I started supplementing with Element after workouts and it made a huge difference in my energy and the dizziness I used to experience post-workout. Now I use it just about every day. Whether I'm feeling a bit groggy or tired, and especially when I'm sick and fighting a cold, I drink Element. Element makes grab-and-go electrolyte replacement packs. Electrolytes are minerals in your blood and other body fluids that carry an electric charge. Your cells use electrolytes to do a plethora of things, including creating energy, helping muscles contract, and balancing fluid inside and outside of cells. 
This is why hydrating with just water is largely inefficient because your body needs electrolytes for that water to be properly absorbed into cells. Stress and sickness deplete minerals and electrolytes, and you lose them when you sweat and go to the bathroom, so supplementation is key. Deficiencies show up as dizziness, muscle cramps, headaches, fatigue, and sleep disturbances. Element has no sugar, gluten fillers, or artificial ingredients. You just tear open a pack, pour, and stir it with water. It's also great for kids. My kids love it, and they sip on it when they're sick, like right now. Right now, everyone, including new and current customers, can get a free eight-pack of Element with any order. Element comes in boxes of 30. There is free shipping on all orders. And now all orders will get a free eight pack, which has all the flavors of Element. To get it, go to drinklmnt.com forward slash wellfed and make sure to use the code wellfed to get your free sample eight pack. Again, that's drinklmnt.com forward slash wellfed. I saw this thing on Instagram and I I wish I would say I, I wish I'd be better at saving things. But I also I of course didn't mention exercise. But one of the things that we've got to really recognize as a society is the importance of exercise. Obviously, it's it's really been um marketed as a way to lose weight, but when we look at exercise and the impact that it has on immune function, it strengthens our heart, it strengthens our lungs. We've got to have strong lungs. And I think that that's what the last few years has really taught us. Respiratory illness can be really deadly. And so obviously people who are working out and who are not both can can have complications. I'm not saying that's it, but in the research, people who exercise are for, far more likely to experience uh, shortened duration and less symptoms of colds and flus and viruses and that sort of thing, less complications overall. And so when we're thinking about strengthening our respiratory function, that can be anything from walking to, you know, doing one once a week, doing a HIIT workout, biking, you know, it's strengthening our, our lungs, our ability to breathe, you know, strengthening our heart um, and exercise improves immune function. It makes our immune system stronger. And obviously, when you're in a state of chronic stress or you're in a state of sleep deprivation, your immunity is going to be less. Oh, what I saw on Instagram, so interesting. People who slept less than eight hours, which eight hours is hard, I know, but people who slept less than eight hours ended up... (laughs) Look at me. You don't want to hear this? (laughs) People who slept less than eight hours had uh, like something like a 20 to 25% higher rate of injury from exercise. And if you slept more than eight hours, you had like a massive reduction in the overuse injuries, any injuries from working out. And we're talking about specific exercise related injuries when we're talking about, you know, hurting your back or your knee or your, you know, whatever, which does happen when you're working out and moving more. And so there is no supplement on the planet for better recovery and injury reduction than sleeping for exercise. Like, <laughs> so after you work out hard, you need to get your sleep on. That's all I'm saying. Um, you'll be less injured and your immunity will be better. I didn't, I'm not trying to drop a, a bomb on you, Steph. No, no, that's totally fine. That's okay. not disrespectful to me. It's fine. <laughs> okay. So uh, last question is from Andrea. She says, coping in the first trimester of pregnancy and probably throughout this pregnancy with anxiety. I'm 35 and this is my first pregnancy. I've not experienced a miscarriage, but I'm extremely fearful of this. I think some of this stems from the 
freedom I foresee in my life of becoming a stay-at-home mom and getting out of a job that has caused burnout and panic disorder and resulted in me going on FMLA last school year. This is supposed to be a beautiful time and I'm struggling to enjoy it. Are there things I can do, eat, or supplement with that will support my body and brain during this time? Oh, I already put myself on mute. You go ahead. Okay. <laughs> you can finalize at the end. I I just wanted to say two quick things um, because I don't have the answers to everybody's anxieties. I dealt with it, but I will say this is where it's really, really important to find a good care team because if you're experiencing anxiety during pregnancy, it's likely that you're probably going to experience a little bit of postpartum anxiety afterwards. Um, I We have done some episodes on this before. So if you want to just DM me, I will send them to you. I'll make sure that you have all the resources. There's some incredible resources online. There's like a hotline that you can call um, if you have postpartum anxiety or depression. Really, I think we just need to be better about giving women first realistic sex expectations, but second ways to cope properly. Because um, We've been told it's a beautiful time and we're supposed to enjoy pregnancy and all the things. And the the reality of the matter is that it sucks for some people and it's not a beautiful time and it's full of pain and anxiety and just pain. And you're slowing down. You don't get to do the things that you love and pain. And so it's not um, if it's not a beautiful time, if you're not loving it, you're not doing it wrong. If you're not feeling it and you don't like being pregnant, you're not doing it wrong. Um, I, in fact, the majority of the women that I speak to that are close with me, who are honest with me, who feel like they can be honest with me are like, I don't want, I can't imagine having another child because pregnancy was so hard. It was so hard on our family. It was so hard on my, and my partner. It was so hard on me. Um, one of my close friends threw up the majority almost every day, you know, for her entire pregnancy and was awful and was sick and couldn't do anything. And then happened the second round when she already had another kid. So it was just, it's just a lot. And I think we need to be realistic with the expectations of some days are going to be good, but a lot of the days probably aren't. And that's totally okay. Um, Second, I do believe that pregnancy is just more of an anxious time in general because so much can go wrong. You are officially not in control. Congratulations. There is a lot of things that you can and you are in control of. You can control your care team. You can make sure that you stay informed, that you um, team up with a practitioner, a midwife, you know, a holistic care team that you trust that is going to, you know, evaluate your options, find somebody that you trust that is going to support you and how you want to carry out your pregnancy and carry out your birth. So that's the stuff that you have in control of. But you do not have a control of what's going to happen to you, how your pregnancy is going to go and how your birth is going to go to an extent. I, I, I'm i like sort of 50-50 on that one because the choices that you make will impact your birth, but there's still things that can happen in your birth that are going to that are just completely out of your control. I think that a lot of women experience anxiety because you're growing another human and that's your body and your brain change crazy. Like you are you are not just thinking about yourself. You're thinking about how you're going to protect this other human. And I think just naturally we become more anxious, <laughs> like more worrisome, more, you know, whatever. And so that's normal. But I do think that it sparks a lot for women who are used to being in control and are no longer in control. And that was kind of the issue for me. Um, with my first pregnancy, I was much more anxious. With my second, I wasn't. I did talk to my naturopath about that. And she that's when she had me taking L-theanine. Please speak with your doctor about this. But I took L-theanine throughout my entire pregnancy. And I took trace mineral drops throughout my entire pregnancy, which had some lithium in it because I told her that I struggled with postpartum anxiety. And I did not have any postpartum anxiety 
and I did not really have any anxiety in my in my pregnancy with Maverick. Um, I was just trying to survive, to be quite honest. But um, it was nothing like what I experienced with Stella. So I think it's important to speak with your your care providers, come up with some coping strategies, be able to lean on friends and family, pastors, people you trust who you can um, confide in and they can really hopefully give you the tools that that you need to cope. But you all, you know, you obviously need support and then really focusing on your care after pregnancy, because the majority of the time, all we're thinking about is the baby and we're not actually thinking about mom, except at the six week, six week appointment. They're like, great, go ahead and work out again, which is completely and entirely inefficient. But a lot of the systems around, especially around midwifery care, I feel like they're better at that. Um, But there's a lot of women-specific care providers now who I feel like absolutely get it. And um, you just have to find those care providers to make sure that, you know, you're being well taken care of, that the signs and symptoms of certain conditions are, are you know they're they're able to spot that with you that they're taking testing they're testing your thyroid they're testing your minerals they're testing all of that after pregnancy um so that you are taken care of after pregnancy too that's all i'll say <laughs> anything from you about um anxiety and coping with the lack of control steph i mean it's really quite challenging to release that grip. Mm. And for me, it's always a problem because when I'm anxious, I can't sleep. Right. (laughs) I can sleep. I can't sleep. I like to affirm that sentence. I can't sleep, Uh, but it does, it can pose challenges. And so, and we all have different downstream things. And when you feel that discomfort, you want to get rid of it. (laughs) And so sometimes the work of making changes looks like enduring through discomfort and that's okay because you tell yourself you know that this is what you're doing i'm making a change and it feels uncomfortable i have a little bit of discomfort about the fact that i am not controlling this and i'm not but i'm not going to make the effort right i'm not going to make the effort to change it because i know that once i get through it i'm going to see it's okay right and sometimes you have to persevere, you have to be resilient through something in order to understand that in order to understand that it doesn't, it doesn't need to be controlled. It doesn't need to be fixed. Right. And you can't really open yourself to the surprise and the joy of the unexpected unless you start doing it just a little bit, you know, turn towards it just a little bit. Right. It's, it's a habit also that we have the need to control is, is that habit. And it's a way that we keep ourselves safe. But if you can get tell yourself it's going to be worth it. I'm going to see through to the end. then you start realizing it's okay. And when people say things like things are going to turn out okay, (laughs) they mean it. Or, you know, this is a, this is a, you know, people who are really, really, like I looked at people who are really, really chill. And I was thinking to myself, how, how do they do it? How can I be one of them? And they actually just, have inhabited the experience over and over again, that things do usually turn out okay without us controlling them, you know? Um, And if we're going through something that's uncomfortable, uh, it's hard, but there are ways to think about what we're going through as as redeeming, 
Mm-hmm. As teaching us mm-hmm. something, as revealing something about the human experience to us, as helping us connect or helping us empathize, helping us develop emotional tools for the next challenge. Mm-hmm. There's so many different ways to sort of hold space for suffering. And it's really, really hard, but it's a part of the fabric of life. And so breathe through it and learn from it what you can, appreciate within it what you can, and then it will end. Yeah. I, that makes me remember my, my doctor is actually a Christian. And if you are, uh, um, I, I'm more than happy to send you this document. She had an entire like two page document of all the scriptures of all the verses that address anxiety. And it's so interesting to me as an adult now, really, if, and if you're like a Christian, you, you'll find this really interesting. I mean, think back on all the times that from a biblical perspective, the Bible talks about anxiety and letting go of anxiety. And um, and it's because so many people struggle with it. Like so many, even back then, two, when it was written 2000 years ago, you know, and we think, oh, what did they have to be anxious about? Like literally everything. So, <laughs> everything. <laughs> literally everything. So it's, it's no, it's not an accident to me that Biblically speaking, it's mentioned so many times and we're given so many tools and instructions for how to cope with it. Um, and my doctor gave me an entire handout with for me to like use as like a study guide to kind of go through and, and meditate on some of that scripture. And it absolutely helped. So I just tried to like shuffle through my drawer. I have no idea where it is, but I will certainly if you want to DM me, I will. I'll find it and I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's something that's been, it's a, it's a struggle. It's a daily, you know, one of the things that I will say too, it's, it's a daily thing that doesn't necessarily go away after you have your baby. It does get better, but, um, anxiety is just a part, you know, some people are just going to struggle with it more than others. Some people are more prone to it than others. And because you struggle with anxiety or certain things do make you anxious, doesn't mean that it's going that you aren't, you haven't figured it out. Just like we talk about body image issues, you know, you're not all of a sudden going to snap your fingers and be like, I worked on my body image and I'm good. Like you're still going to have days where you wake up and you struggle. And that's kind of how I feel about it now as an, as an adult and as a mom, which is like, yeah, I struggle with anxiety, but um, for the most part, I have these coping strategies. And when things do happen, then I'm able to use those coping strategies and manage it and get through my day. And then, you know, the next day is usually better. So, um, yeah. And I think I kept, I kept saying like someday, or if I just get rid of this one thing that makes me anxious and I'm, then I'm going to be fine. And really what it is, is sitting with what it is within me that like, it's my relationship with anxiety right? It's not the job. It's not the, this, it's not the, that it's my, my fear about existence and what can happen in existence and and the degree to which I can accept the things that happen in existence. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and that's huge. That's huge, you know? And so turning towards that, acknowledging that, you know, as much as we all have biological predispositions to X or to Y or whatever, uh, our we our bodies are plastic, flexible in a sense, and, and our minds are, and we have so many tools. So things uh, perfect. I don't, you know, what is, <laughs> you know, but uh, in terms of uh, 
healing, taking care of ourselves, actually uh, looking at the root of, you know, where it all comes from. Yeah. Yeah. That's the stuff. That's the really long-term stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's no time like the present, unless you have other stuff you have to attend to first, which is fine. (laughs) I love that. There's always a side note from you. That's like, unless, and that's totally fine too. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, there's this funny um, meme. I actually, I see it once in a while. I saw it like yesterday and it says like, every time after you give advice to somebody, always be like, you know, but if not, no big deal. So that way you never have to be accountable to anybody (laughs) for what you say. (laughs) And if you don't take my advice, that's fine too. Do what you want to do. Yeah. That is, that is you. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Um, Thank you guys. That's our new year's episode. Hopefully, (laughs) hopefully it was good as the other eight. Um, We appreciate you being here and thank you so much for spending the last many years with us. And we hope that we get to spend 2023 with you and that it only gets better from here. For more from me, coconutsandkettlebells.com for more from Stephanie, helpdoempower.com. Thanks for being here, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.